our next guest works at Harvard University and studies aliens. Yes, seriously. I mean, okay, he's a world-renowned physicist who has written what, four books, authored more than 700 research papers. He has studied black holes, the early universe, and now he's looking into the existence of extraterrestrial life. So let's find out how that is going. Dr. Avi Lieb joins us now, director of the Institute for Theory and Computation at Harvard University and lead researcher of the Galileo Project. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. What is the Galileo Project? Well, the name comes from uh, the history of uh, the trial of Galileo Galilei, who simply suggested that maybe the Earth moves around the sun and he was put in house arrest and people just refused to look through his telescope. So we uh, follow him and argue that uh, we should look for the answers uh, through our telescopes. And the Galileo Project attempts to figure out if there are any objects that were manufactured by extraterrestrial technological civilizations near Earth. And in fact, the last decade was very interesting because the first four interstellar objects, objects from outside the solar system, were discovered. Two of them by myself and my student. Uh, there were two meteors uh, in 2014 and 2017. And then there was a an object as big as a football field discovered by a telescope in Hawaii uh, in October 2017 called Oumuamua, and we can talk more about it. And then um, the last one was a comet. But in addition to that, um, the U.S. government um, uh, reported that they are detecting objects whose nature is unclear, and they established a new office. And so what we do in the Galileo Project, we say that the sky is not classified, uh, unlike uh, government documents. Uh, and we built a, a new observatory that is monitoring the sky 24-7 uh, in the infrared, optical, radio, and audio to find out if all the objects in the sky are either natural, like birds, or human-made, like balloons, those that were shut down by the U.S. government, uh, or something else. Now, what piqued your curiosity about this, Dr. Lieb? Like, what, was there a particular incident or something you saw in that telescope that you thought, okay, I need to learn more now? I'm an astronomer, so I worked on black holes, uh, stars, and so forth. And uh, in 2017, when the report came from Hawaii that there is this first interstellar object discovered, and it looks really weird, uh, that piqued my interest. Uh, uh, the way to think of me is like... Uh, um, the child in Hans Christian Andersen's uh, tale um, who said that the emperor has no clothes because in this case it's, people called it a comet, but there was no cometary tail. And I said, there is no cometary tail. So what is pushing this object uh, beyond the, the force of gravity that acts on it? And um, I suggested it may be artificial in origin, and uh, that started my journey. And I wrote a book about it called Extraterrestrial. I have another book coming in August uh, 2023. Okay, so what, what holds the most promise out there? When you see things, what is it that you saw that needs more investigation? It's uh, those interstellar objects. So there is the first meteor, the first object in 2014, uh, exploded in the lower atmosphere of the Earth. And the U.S. government released some data about it that allowed us to conclude that it must be tougher than iron, tougher than all the space rocks we had seen before. So we are going on an expedition to the Pacific Ocean to collect the fragments left over, all the relics from that meteor. We want to figure out whether it was some unusual rock 
or was it a spacecraft from another civilization? So the most pressing question to me is, what's the composition of that first interstellar meteor? Does it look like an artificial alloy, uh, stainless steel, or is it a rock? What makes it so different then? Like, and, and you can tell that just from looking through your telescope. Like, What makes this particular meteorite so different? Oh, this meteorite was not observed by our telescope. It was observed by the U.S. government sensors. That they monitor the sky for ballistic missiles and national security risks, and they just detected it in 2014 over the Pacific Ocean. And what made it special is that it moved very fast relative to other space rocks because it came from outside the solar system. And in addition, it exploded only in the lower atmosphere of the Earth. So it was able to maintain its integrity. It must have had a very high material strength, uh, tougher by at least a factor of 10 than iron meteorites, uh, we concluded, based on the government data. So what made it special is the high speed and the strength of the material that makes it. So how are you going to find this? So we localized uh, the area uh, thanks to uh, a seismometer on Manus Island in Papua New Guinea, and uh, now we know where it should be. Uh, now, it's not the, the, the object that fell from the sky. It's actually what, whatever was left from it because it exploded as a result of the friction with the air. So we are going after the small fragments uh, probably the size of the head of a pin, you know, very small fragment. And if we collect enough of them, we should be able to tell what the composition was. And we know where to go. Uh, I got funding at $1.5 million for that. Uh, and um, hopefully this summer we, we'll go and check. So this is one branch of the Galileo project that I'm very excited about. Another one is that we have this observatory that I was talking about where we monitor the sky and if we see anything unusual, I'll be glad to let you know about it. Yeah, I would love to hear about that. But what do you classify as anything unusual? Because it seems to me there would be a lot of unusual things. Well, we train uh, artificial intelligence um, uh, software uh, to distinguish between natural objects like uh, birds, bugs, uh, and uh, human-made objects like uh, balloons, drones, airplanes, rockets. Uh, and uh, the way I approach it is basically to identify everything that we are familiar with and then see if anything is left in a bucket that is unexplained and start looking at those things. Um, but if we can explain everything, then nothing would remain and, and then we'll resolve this issue. So it sounds like you go a lot with your curiosity, Dr. Lieb. Like you just, you see something, you have a question, you're going to go check that out. Exactly. Well, that. I, being a scientist gives uh, the privilege of uh, following your childhood curiosity. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm very frustrated with many of my colleagues that lose that because at some point in their career, they start chasing honors, uh, uh, appreciation from their peers. Uh, that's not our job definition. Our job definition is to figure out reality, what is out there. And the way to do it is by collecting evidence. So I'm a theoretical astrophysicist, but nevertheless, I felt the need to lead an experimental observational project because nobody else is doing it. Right. You raise a good question, though. How has your research been received by your peers? Well, there was a lot of pushback, but I, I don't have any accounts on social media. I don't care how much 
how many likes I have on Twitter. That that is irrelevant. And so I'm uh, not vulnerable to public opinion. I just want to do what sounds like common sense. And unfortunately, common sense is not common. Um, that, but, is so um, so, that is so true. That is so true. There was a lot of pushback, but I, I think uh, things are changing now. And uh, there is a huge amount of excitement and interest in the public and also in government. So I say, you know, as scientists, we, it's our civil duty to uh, figure out things that the public cares about, that the government cares about, rather than close up in academia and basically say, you know, uh, let's check if there are extra dimensions, if there is a multiverse. Things that, what is the dark matter? Things that do not affect people's lives or the future of humanity immediately. Um, and something went wrong in academia in, in that sense. And I'm trying to return to our roots in a way of listening to what society cares about and doing what needs to be done. And unfortunately, you know, the, there is no federal funding for that, but I'm getting a lot of public support. Well, I can see why. So how, when do you embark on this project? Like, when do you think you'll be able to get some more answers? Ah, uh, this summer, summer 2023. Uh, it's very challenging, I should say, but, you know, I'm hopeful, but it's possible we will not find anything uh, left from this uh, meteor. But if we do, you'll hear about it. Okay. I look forward to that. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me.